Yes, it is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Thank you for downloading and tuning in to another edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Farzine Vasugian. Be sure you like my Facebook page, search Farzine Vasugian, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Be sure you interact with me throughout the week and on the weekend during Chiefs football and also non-Chiefs football. I, I'm all for it. Whatever you guys want to talk about, uh, let, let's do it on social media. That's what this show is about, and uh, love all the interaction with you guys on Facebook and Twitter, and I definitely appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Uh, a big podcast here as the Chiefs look to make it six in a row going to the black hole, and it'll be tough. And I'll say this. I know that the two biggest games for Kansas City, the two toughest games coming out of the bye week, it was Denver and Buffalo, and the Chiefs beat both of those teams But I think the intensity, the more intense game, is going to be this one right here. The Oakland Raiders. And and the Chiefs obviously play the Raiders twice. And is it for the last time that it's in Oakland? Do the Chiefs move back to L.A.? A lot going on there. We're we're not going to get into that in this podcast. But I think there is a lot of speculation and some concern as to uh, the Raiders and the Chargers uh, sharing a stadium in L.A. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. But in terms of right now, the, the Chiefs... Certainly focused on trying to make make a playoff push and looking to make it six in a row. And I'll be completely honest. When I looked at the second half of the schedule during the bye week, and I saw how easy the schedule was, and I, a lot of people did too. And I and look, I I, I predict, predicted the Denver win. I, I said that was going to be a statement game for the Chiefs, which obviously they came out on top and very strong too. But the one game that I looked at, and I never said this on the podcast. I I kind of hinted this, but I never said this verbatim, word by word. But the one game that I marked as a loss in the second half of Kansas City's schedule, knowing what we know right now during the bye week, it was this game right here. And here's the thing, guys. I, I think so much, and before the season... I, I did mark this down as a loss for Kansas City as well. Here's the thing, guys, I, and I'm guilty of this too. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and uh, try to poke fun at everyone else for being wrong because I've been wrong about this. Uh, I'll admit it first and foremost. I think we underestimate the Raiders every single year. We really do. Since 2007, the Chiefs have swept the Raiders only once, and that was in 2013. And that was during Kansas City's 9-0 start to the season. Of course, uh, they beat the Raiders the first time to improve to 6-0. The Raiders were also a team that they beat late in the season to overcome some of their second-half struggles. But that's really the only time where the Raiders could never get the Chiefs. Kansas City owned them in both occasions. As far as the rest of those years, from 07 to right now, the Raiders have been able to at least drop victory in one of those games each season sometimes twice and it has been pretty for Kansas City there have been some ugly ugly losses to the Raiders over the years and the Chiefs have managed to get a few wins here and there of course there was that game where the Chiefs have had uh, six picks uh, against the Raiders I believe that was in 2011 Uh, that was when Kansas City started off 0-3 and managed to uh, rebound to 4-3, and three, uh, same year where Phillip Rivers fumbled that snap uh, on Monday Night Football, but I digress. My, my, my point is, the Raiders are such an underestimated football team, and now, 
this is the best the Raiders have looked in a long time. Obviously, since that 03-04 season, the Raiders fell in the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's been a while since Oakland's been in the postseason. And they've had opportunities this year. And they have another opportunity this week. If they do defeat the Chiefs, they do overtake the Chiefs in the standings. And then they will take back one of the two wild cards. But it also depends what goes on around the NFL. Like I said, before the season and during the bye week, I looked at the second half of the schedule and I said that this is a game that Kansas City will lose. Do I still think that? We'll find out later on in the show. But first, as always, we do it each and every week. It's time for the Around the NFL segment. Did any of you guys watch Monday Night Football this week? No, not many of you did. And I'll be honest, I, I had no interest in the Ravens and the Browns, uh, a game that would ha- help pretty much decide who has a better chance for the number one overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. So, really, I didn't have a lot of interest in this. I, and in fact, I was actually uh, writing out the rundown, the show rundown for the podcast that we had this past week for the Chief Zone. If you haven't heard it, be sure you check it out on iTunes. But I did tune in into the final drive. I was looking up the score online, and I said, wow, it's a pretty close game. I, I should check it out. Brown's getting ready for a game-winning field goal, and what happens? Ravens block it and return it all the way for a touchdown as time expires to win on Monday Night Football. Let's give it up, okay? This might be one of the better and, and more exciting games that we've seen this year. Obviously, the game has no playoff implications, or more so draft pick implications. But after the game, the story was after the game where Cleveland Browns fans, they all had their phones up because they wanted to capture the game-winning field goal and said they captured the game-losing play. In fact, there was, uh, there's video of a Cleveland Browns fan who's ripping up his jersey. Look, look I, I know I poke fun at the Cleveland Browns, an organization that just hasn't been very good. But I did not laugh at all when I saw the Browns, especially that jersey rip. Listen... Fans pay a lot of money to go to these games. Sometimes they come from out of town. And it, it it's rough to invest so much, pay a lot of money for parking, and to see your team fall like that. Uh, I remember uh, attending the 2011 home opener. Uh, Chiefs and Bills. Uh, Chiefs got throttled in that one. 41-7. And after the game, I saw a Chiefs fan take off his jersey uh, and throw it inside the trash can. I mean, fans take losses rough, especially when they see them in person. Just look at the game this past year, or or this year, I should say, earlier this year, when Jamal Charles fumbled. All the Chiefs fans at Arrowhead, I mean, they went home sick to their stomachs. And then you consider the the long wait in the parking lot. Oh, man, that's just rough. That's just rough. One guy who is not rough. He's having a good is Jim Bob Cooter. Yes, the same Jim Bob Cooter who was the quality control coach for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2012. And looking at Jim Bob Cooter now, he's the offensive coordinator. Wasn't the offensive coordinator all season. We mentioned this when we broke down the Chiefs and Lions game. His first uh, game as the offensive coordinator was against the Chiefs in London when Joe Lombardi was the offensive coordinator for... The Lions, the Lions were scoring 19.9 points per game. 
In the four games, Jim Bob Cooter's been the OC. 22.8 points per game, nearly a three-point difference since Jim Bob Cooter has been the offensive coordinator. And guess what? He might be saving Jim Caldwell's job this season. So Jim Caldwell might, just might be the head coach for the Lions next season. If I'm Jim Caldwell, I'm buying Jim Bob Cooter something big for Christmas this year. Number three, last topic I want to get into. And I've touched on this before. I'll gladly touch on this again. So many fans, so many sports fans upset with how the league this year has so, uh, has a couple of teams that, and maybe for the second year in a row, we might have a division winner under 500. The Washington Redskins right now are on top of the NFC East with a 5-6 and six record. And I'll say this. I think winning your division has to hold some sort of value. And look, when we get to the postseason in January, your record through 16 games in the regular season means nothing. The postseason, the postseason is a brand new ball game. Look at 2010 when the Seahawks had a seven and nine record, winning the NFC West. They played host to the New Orleans Saints and they defeated the Saints. And last year, and I understand Carson Palmer was injured in the postseason, but the Carolina Panthers, they won the NFC South, and what did they do? They beat the Arizona Cardinals. So we've seen uh, a couple of teams in recent memory that have made it into the postseason with seven wins, and they win a playoff game. So to me, why are we making such a big deal out of whether or not a seven-win team should be allowed to host a playoff game. Because to me, those seven-win teams, uh, they're they're able to do something. And look, I, I think those teams are, are a little bit more dangerous because they know that they were bad during the regular season, so they've got to change it up. And it's not easy to study those teams. Sure, you can watch film on that team, but they're going to change up a lot of things because they know that they have to play better. So... I, I, I can see it from that standpoint, but you know what? I think we need to keep the rules the way they are. I like the way that we have it. Division winners, they get to host a playoff game. And look, the the Panthers and the Seahawks have shown us, doesn't matter what your record is, in January or going into January. All that matters is how you play in January. I guarantee you, if the Chiefs were ever in this situation, everyone would be crying in Kansas City for the Chiefs to host a playoff game, and they'd be upset at the national media and sports fans, NFL fans all over the country for their opinion on uh, whether or not division winners, all division winners, should be able to post, uh, host a playoff game. So I like the rule. Uh, I think it just, here's the way I see it. You've just got to deal with, the hand you're dealt with. If you're playing poker and you, you happen to have a bad hand, you never know. The guy across from you might have a bad hand also. So that's an opportunity for you to strike and, and, and take advantage of his bad hand. Yours might not be as great, but hey, it's even playing field if that guy's not as good either. And you know what? During the regular season, if a 7-9 team does win a division, that means all the other teams, including the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East, they have an opportunity to still make the playoffs. So if anything, 
especially if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I love this rule because that means the Dallas Cowboys still have a snowball's chance to make it into January. Now, I, I should say all teams will play in January because the regular season will extend into January. But I'm talking mid-January, the playoffs. So you never know sometimes. Crazier things have happened in the NFL. So, you, you know, it's up for grabs. And if I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, I'd be happy going into December with just three wins, having a chance to still win the NFC East. The Chiefs and the Raiders, they really don't have a chance to win the AFC West. However, both of them are wildcard contenders. In fact, the Chiefs, as we've all talked about the past few uh, weeks, uh, Chiefs have been chasing for a wildcard spot and now have climbed their way into the standings, into the playoff picture, and now own the number five seed in the AFC and they look to make it six in a row. They're above 500 for the first time since week one. And they want to add on to this already impressive and remarkable five-game stretch. Want to make it six games now. And they've got a big obstacle ahead of them. Uh, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, and also with the offense. Oakland has a top 10 offensive team in passing and overall, and here's why. It's the offensive line. Donald Penn, the left tackler, and right tackle Austin Howard, both very solid tackles. Each have allowed just three sacks this season, so you know your exterior offensive linemen, very good guys. Uh, No no concerns there if you're a Raiders fan. Raiders have a top-notch left guard in Gabe Jackson, who I think is on his way to a Pro Bowl. Uh, He has yet to surrender a sack this year, whereas right guard Jamarcus Webb, not the greatest guard. He's given up just three sacks, but has allowed a lot of defenders to slip through, and that's forced Derek Carr to get rid of the ball a lot quicker. Has been hurried quite a lot from that right side of the offensive line. We all know who the center is. Rodney Hudson, very familiar with him, easily a top five and underrated center last year when he was with the Chiefs. And I think more people are taking note in Rodney Hudson. I think he's got a very solid chance at making the Pro Bowl this year. Last year, the Raiders had Steven Wisniewski, who was considered by the Chiefs this past offseason to replace Hudson. Now, the Raiders obviously... Uh, decided to pass on Wisniewski, who is with the Jacksonville Jaguars, playing very well this year. Uh, but I would say Steven Wisniewski was probably the best center. And if you disagree, you, you surely would have to agree that he was a top-five center last year along with Hudson. Uh, but the Raiders got the perfect replacement by bringing in Hudson to the organization. Only once has Hudson allowed a defender to sack Carr this season. So uh, Oakland's offensive line, very good. And I mentioned Derek Carr. Let's get to him right now. Uh, Derek Carr, he's not a top 10 overall quarterback. Uh, in terms of, like I said, just overall ability under center, quarterbacks do more than just passing. I mean, they, they've got to be able to make the right reads. And sometimes you've got to scramble, which David Carr doesn't do a lot of. But if I have to sit here and just rank all of the starting quarterbacks right now in terms of just passing I think Derek Carr is a top five guy and I think one piece of evidence is that he he has 24 touchdown passes this season that's tied with Eli Manning for third most behind Tom Brady and Carson Palmer now in order for Kansas City to do well in this game the secondary has to bring its A game we saw what happened last week in the first half when Tyrod Taylor and Sammy Watkins, uh, I mean, they had a field day. Uh, Sammy Watkins gashed through Kansas City's secondary. Now, the secondary did make some adjustments at halftime and looked much better in the second half. Now, I want to go back to what I mentioned earlier, and I mentioned this a couple times uh, the past couple of weeks on the podcast. I said that 
the two toughest teams for the Chiefs coming out of the bye week, Denver and Buffalo. However, the best quarterback in the second half of Kansas City's schedule, and, and, I, and some people may disagree with Brock Osweiler now there, but at the time it was Peyton Manning, the best quarterback that Kansas City has in the second half of the schedule to go up against is not playing for Denver nor Buffalo. I think it's in Oakland. And I know a lot of you may disagree and say Phillip Rivers is the best quarterback that the Chiefs will face in the second half of their schedule. I mean, they've played him once, they'll play him again. But I really do think that Derek Carr is the best quarterback the Chiefs have to face in the second half of this schedule. And again, I I know a lot of you will disagree and say Phillip Rivers is is better, but I'd be willing to say it's Derek Carr this season. Derek Carr this season is a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. And sure, Phillip Rivers has 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Not bad numbers, but Carr's numbers slightly better. 24 touchdowns, 6 picks. In fact, Carr has taken 14 fewer sacks than Rivers this season. And and sure, Phillip Rivers has the second most passing yards this season behind Tom Brady. And Derek Carr is 11th in that category. He's, in fact, just 105 yards shy of the 3,000-yard mark, which he should get in this game. But listen, passing yards are not everything. Uh, If you want to judge a quarterback by passing yards, I think that's very misleading because a lot of times teams, teams abandon the running game because they go pass heavy late in the game to try and catch up. The, the Chargers have been involved in a lot of close games, so I don't think it's that misleading of, of a stat. However, because San Diego is a pass-heavy offense, really they have a non-existent running game, whereas the Raiders, they actually use their running game and have a better overall offense. So that's why I consider Carr better than Rivers. If David Carr had the same amount of pass attempts as Phillip Rivers each game, I guarantee you the, the the passing yards would be astronomically different and Carr would be higher than Rivers in that category. So that's why I consider Carr the better quarterback than Rivers. And I think he is the toughest quarterback and the best that Kansas City is facing in the second half of its season. Now, how do you beat Derek Carr? You've got to get the pass rush. And again, that's easier said than done, uh, especially with Justin Houston likely out. But Tom Bahali has really stepped up lately. Just one sack in the first six games. He's had five and a half sacks in the last five. Uh, you're going to need some help from uh, other guys. The The issue is Casey is really banged up. In fact, 17 players are on the injury report as of Thursday afternoon. Looking at Alan Bailey, he hasn't played the last couple of weeks because of a calf injury. He's been limited this week. Mike DeVito has a, has, has a shoulder issue. Uh, he did not participate on Wednesday, but did practice a little bit on Thursday. Neither Holly nor Houston practice Wednesday. Both have nagging knee injuries. Houston's is more serious as it is a PCL sprain as uh, the MRI showed, according to reports. Holly did practice a bit on Thursday, though, so it seems like he has a better chance of playing this week. Houston, I think, is going to be doubtful. We'll see what the official word is later this week. I'll I'll, uh, post the uh, word on social media on my Facebook page. Search for Farzine Vasugi and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Uh, the other outside linebacker for the Chiefs, D Ford, who has uh, had a back injury. He's been a full participant all week, so it seems like he is going to play, and he's probably going to be playing a lot for Justin Houston, who again I think is going to be doubtful this week for the Chiefs. So. Some guys in your front seven, some injuries there that are part of the 17 players on the report this week. Again, not not good. Nearly a third of your roster, but 
Uh, I, I think Kansas City can get through it. I, I, I think you, you still have to trust uh, Dontari Poe, who, who's been very good for you. Jay Howard has, has also stepped up this season as a pass rusher. So, so the Chiefs still have guys, uh, especially Derek Johnson, one of the best inside linebackers the past couple of seasons, uh, who can really come through for you in your front seven. Going to the running game, Latavius Murray, he's really the team's only running back. He's seventh in the NFL in rushing. He has 100-yard rushing games against the Browns and the Jets, but has just four touchdowns. He does not have a multi-touchdown game this season. In fact, he hasn't even caught a touchdown this season. He's not a great pass catcher coming out of the backfield, so he's not really a threat in the passing game, just really in the backfield as a running back. Last year, of course, he had four carries for just or just for carries, 412 yards against the Chiefs. Half of those carries going for touchdowns. He had an 11-yard touchdown run to start off the game, and then a 90-yard run for a touchdown on a one-play drive to give Oakland a 14-0 lead. He did suffer an injury, couldn't come back, but gosh, I can only imagine he probably could have broken the record for uh, most yards in a single game, most rushing yards in a single game, that is. Uh, he helped the Raiders earn their first win of the season last week on Thursday Night Football, stunning the Chiefs, uh, one that uh, really none of us saw coming. Looking at the wide receivers for Oakland, I want to start with Amari Cooper, who is statistically the best rookie receiver this season with 851 yards and four touchdown grabs. Uh, Cooper is 11th in receiving yards. I want to go to Michael Crabtree real quickly because He's really struggled with the 49ers the past couple of seasons. They let him go, and he decides to stay in the Bay Area, going to Oakland. He has 715 receiving yards. That's already more receiving yards than each of the last two years he had with the 49ers. So Michael Crabtree, not only has he really come back and has played really well like he did three years ago, having his only 1,000-yard receiving season, uh, but he's really helped the Raiders a lot, too. I, I think he's really been a valuable asset uh, coming into Oakland, being a veteran leader, also... Uh, just being a mentor for Amari Cooper and, and really just being a big guy. Uh, and looking at the Raiders, Cooper, as I mentioned, 11th in receiving yards in the NFL. Crabtree is 21st in the same category. So when you have two wide receivers that are 11th and 21st in receiving yards, that's when you know you've got a special duo there. And, and the Raiders are very fortunate to have Crabtree and Cooper, uh, both guys under the age of 30, Two very good wideouts, and uh, that's really been a big reason why Oakland's offense has been very dynamic this season. The next best wideout for the Raiders is Seth Roberts, who has just 352 yards and four touchdowns. In fact, he did have his best performance this week against the Titans, catching six catches for 113 yards and a pair of receptions in the end zone. That includes a game-winning 12-yard touchdown grab with a minute 21 to go against the Titans. Andre Holmes, uh, I think he's worth noting. He has just eight catches this year, half of them in the end zone for touchdowns. NFL.com shows, and as has Pro Football Focus, that he's been active for all 11 games. He's been targeted just 16 times. He co-leads the team in touchdown catches. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he was injured in the preseason, but has been available for all 11 games, so I'm not quite sure... What the correlation is again? I'll admit I don't. I don't. I haven't seen every Raiders game snap for snap. Uh, I've seen a couple of Raiders game uh, from start to finish this season. But Andre Holmes, I'm not quite sure why he has just eight catches and why half of them have gone for touchdowns. It's one of those mysterious statistics there that you look at from an outside perspective. And in 
I think this is a guy you still have to really account for and take seriously because, again, half of his uh, half of the times he's been targeted, he's caught he's caught him, and half the plays he's caught, they've gone for a touchdown. So Andre Holmes, I think, is definitely a guy that still has to be accounted for and taken very seriously going against the Kansas City Chiefs, going against that cornerback duo of Sean Smith and Marcus Peters. Now, tight ends, not a big threat in the passing game. However, Lee Smith, again, just 10 catches for 48 yards, but mainly a blocking tight end. In fact, a very good blocking tight end. Uh, If I had to compare Lee Smith... To another tight end in the NFL, I'd say he's a starting version of Jason Dunn, who of course was Tony Gonzalez's backup here in Kansas City, but was a fantastic blocker and a big reason why guys like Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson did so well in Kansas City. Uh, Backup uh, Clive Walford, also a very good uh, pass blocker for the Oakland Raiders. So the tight ends in Oakland, they're mainly asked to block and... You know, it sounds weird, but it's helped Oakland so far this season. They're 11th in scoring with 24 points per game, so it is working. Uh, So whatever you want to make out of that uh, with the tight ends, uh, even though they're 90% blocking, 10% out in the field looking to catch a pass, it's worked for the Raiders. Now, a big note I want to say uh, for Oakland's future, because if I'm a Raiders fan, I feel great about this. If I'm a Chiefs fan, a Broncos fan, a uh, a Chargers fan, and again, I, I know there's talk about moving to L.A. and possibly division realignment. But Oakland's got a lot of young, talented players on offense and on defense, too, which we'll get to. But offensively, Latavius Murray will be 26 and Derek Carr will be 25 going into next season. Amari Cooper, he'll be 22 by the time the 2016 season kicks off. You've got a lot of great young talent on this Oakland Raiders team. And if I'm general manager Reggie McKenzie, I am doing everything I can. And again, general manager, I said this last episode, general managers, sure, as fans and, and the players and coaches, they don't think about the future. They're just worried about right now. But the agents and the general managers and the scouts, part of their jobs is to think about the long-term deal. And if I'm Reggie McKenzie, I am doing everything I can to make sure that I lock up Derek Carr, Latavius Murray, and Amari Cooper to long-term deals and keep them here in Oakland uh, and have one of the better quarterback, running back, wide receiver trios in the NFL. If anyone can find me a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver threesome under the ages of 26, let me know because I don't know if you can find one. That's pretty scary coming from a Chiefs perspective because this is going to be a team that you're going to want to you're going to be going up against and you want to really show up and do good, especially defensively. And look, I'll say this: I, I think this game is going to be great because uh, I think the rivalry is going to be renewed. It's going to mean something. The past few years, with the exception of the Chiefs being good uh, a couple seasons, the Chiefs and Raiders rivalry has not meant a lot. It, it hasn't had any significance and I think now that's going to change the Chiefs and the Raiders they're fighting for a wild card spot these are two playoff contending teams maybe both of them make the playoffs going into the postseason you you never know but for now I think the Chiefs and Raiders 
And again, we'll see what happens with uh, Brock Osweiler in Denver. But if I'm talking about the future of the AFC West, I think the Raiders and Chiefs are going to be the more competitive teams in the division for the next couple of years. And again, we'll see how, how things go out in Denver because I think they might have something special in Osweiler. But the Raiders are going to be a team, a force to be reckoned with. I know the past, gosh, 12 years, the Raiders haven't been great. So many head coaching changes, but that is going to change really soon. They might finish with a record below 500. They might finish at 500. Who knows? But in 2016, and I said this during the offseason after the draft, in 2016, the Raiders are going to seriously contend for an AFC West title. And obviously it'd be their first time since 2003. Or pardon me, 2002 I should say. And correction earlier, I did say the 03-04 season. Uh, which that was actually the year the Chiefs went to the playoffs and won the division. Uh, it was actually the 02-03 season. In which the Raiders went to the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for the near, for right now and the near future... The Raiders are going to be a, a, a big team in the NFL. And in fact, when you think about Peyton Manning, it looks like he might retire soon. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those are guys whose careers are probably going to end realistically within the next couple of years, regardless of what Brady has said recently, saying that he reportedly he'd play for 10 more years. Uh, but really, I think once those guys step down, you're, I mean, those are the top tier quarterbacks we've seen in the past 5, 10 years. I think once those guys step down and hang up their cleats, I think Derek Carr is going to be that new top-tier quarterback in the NFL, and the Raiders are very fortunate to have a guy like him as part of their franchise. As I said earlier, I think you've got to have Tom Bahali step up in this game, and that'll the secondary is still intact there. You've still got Eric Berry. You've got Sean Smith, Marcus Peters. Uh, your secondary is going to be competing against some very good wideouts. And if you can have your pass rush come through in this game, Kansas City's offense might be able to silence the Raiders' offense, who have been very good this season, despite kind of spiraling down lately. Despite, and again, they, they did kind of pick it up this past week against the Titans. But uh, for the most part, the Raiders' offense has been very good this year. But where they haven't been very good is on the defensive side. 27th in total defense, 29th against the pass, uh, 18th against the run, that's just below average, uh, allowing 25.5 points per game, which is not very good. And it's been pretty tough for the Raiders this season. Jack Del Rio, a very good defensive-minded coach, uh, has a lot of talent on this defense. Justin Tuck was having a good year as a pass rusher until he suffered a torn pectoral uh, out for the season, obviously. Raiders, uh, I mean, they've been loaded with pass rushers this season. I think Alden Smith has done very good, but of course uh, is suspended right now with uh, the issues he's dealing with off the field. But they do have Khalil Mack, who's, again, I mentioned the ages for Latavius Murray, Derek Carr, and Amari Cooper, but Khalil Mack is 24 right now. He'll be 25 next year going into the start of the season uh, for 2016. He's a monster. He's been one ever since he was drafted in 2014. Has seven sacks this season. Just had a two-sack game against the Titans this past week on the road. Inside linebacker Malcolm Smith leads the team in tackles with 83. He also has four sacks in a pick to go along with his season as one of the defensive leaders. Curtis Lofton beside him, not a very good inside linebacker though. Uh, looking at the secondary, David Amerson, 
who was waived by the Redskins and picked up by the Raiders. Uh, fun fact, uh, by the way, uh, took an interception back for a touchdown his rookie year against the Raiders, now plays for the Raiders, and uh, he's been very solid since joining them in late September, has a pair of picks this year, but the stud on defense to me for the Raiders is Charles Woodson. Even though he turned 39 during the season, he's been one of the best defensive players in the secondary this year across the NFL. Has five picks. He picked off Peyton Manning this year. So has everybody else. But it was kind of special for Woodson because he did it for the first time. Both Manning and Woodson were from the 1998 draft class as it was. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck, the only other active player from that draft class who was 4-0 right now, filling in for Andrew Luck uh, for the Colts, trying to hang on in the AFC South. But Charles Woodson, I mean, he's really turned it up this season and it could be his last with the Raiders. And look, if the Raiders have an opportunity to do something special with their franchise, it is this season. And it might be Charles Woodson's last for uh, the NFL. And it'd be nice to see him from a from a general NFL perspective. I know Chiefs fans don't want to see it happen this way. But it would be nice to see Charles Woodson go out with a bang, just have a strong season. And if the Raiders make a push, make it to the playoffs... Charles Woodson has a chance to do something special to end his career, so it'd be it'd be big, and it surely would mean a lot to Woodson. I, I look even if it's within the AFC West. I love stories where guys are they know they're retiring, but they do something big in their final season with the team. I I, I think those make for great stories in the National Football League. Special teams: Sebastian Janikowski, 16 of 19 in field goals. He's just not the great kicker he once was. He's gotten older, of course. Market King, a below-average punter. Uh, Taiwan Jones handles the kick return duties. TJ Carey, the primary punt returner. However, neither of them are big threats as return specialists. So not a lot to worry about. Whereas the Chiefs, especially with Dave Tobe as the special teams coordinator, not a lot to worry about when you're facing the Raiders on special teams. All right, like I said, I had the Raiders winning this game a couple of weeks ago. And... I'll be honest. I've I've gone back and forth. I don't. I, I really am not sure who's going to win this football game. I do have a prediction that, that I'll share in a moment. The Chiefs win this game if they get the pass rush, and I'll say this: that'll be a big challenge because if you're without Justin Houston, you don't really know what kind of a player D Ford is because he hasn't played a whole lot. And I'm not saying it's his fault because the Chiefs have two Pro Bowl outside linebackers. And I mean, it's not like this guy's a bust. He just hasn't played a lot. Look at the, look at his look at his snaps in his career. I don't have him in front of me, but I guarantee you, if I took the time to to look at that real quickly, he doesn't have a lot. If the Chiefs get the pass rush going, I think they've got a great chance of winning because that'll really slow down Oakland's passing game. Now the thing about it is, with Justin Houston out, and if D Ford isn't good. The Chiefs might make adjustments at halftime, kind of similar to last week. After Sammy Watkins burned him in the first half, I, I think you've got to add more personnel to the secondary. Uh, so again, that that means fewer players up front. I mean, your front seven is going to turn into a front six, maybe a front five. And I think that might be the wiser move. As long as you can keep Tom Bahali active in there, I know you're, you'll rotate him in and out from time to time, but... 
I, I you know I still think you you can trust Ontari Poe and Tom Bahali, maybe Jay Howard. Uh, hopefully, Allen Bailey plays. The Chiefs could really use him, especially with Justin Houston possibly being absent this week. But as far as the defense goes, I think you've got to have more players in the secondary, especially when you are going up against Crabtree and Cooper, guys who've been very good for the Raiders this season. And Derek Carr is a guy who can make a lot of pass catchers look very good on offense. So I think that's another thing to consider if you are the Chiefs defense. And I'm sure Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator, he he's looked at that as well. The Chiefs also win if Alex Smith continues to make wise decisions. And if he plays a game very similar to when he did against the Seattle Seahawks. You may remember that last year where Alex Smith didn't have a great game. 11 of 16 passing for 108 yards. But he didn't let guys like Richard Sherman or Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, that legion of boom that gets all the attention. Uh, despite this year kind of being a slow year for the Seahawks, they just went above 500 for the first time this season. Uh, but that legion of boom defense, that's been the reason why Seattle's been the most dominant NFL team in the past two years going to the Super Bowl each of the last two years. So I, I think, and by all means... Oakland doesn't have the Legion of Boom. It doesn't even compare. But I think with Emerson and Charles Woodson, you've got to you've got to keep an eye on those players. I think those are two very good players in the secondary. Emerson, I think, is a good cornerback. He's been very good this year for the Raiders since being claimed off of waivers. And Charles Woodson, like I said, a stud this season as a safety. Now the Raiders, they win this game if they stop the run. It's very possible that both Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware play. Sharkandrick West has been practicing this week, whereas last week he didn't because of the hamstring. Spencer Ware also has has a hamstring issue, but doesn't seem to be too serious. Both of them should be active. What do I think happens in this game? I think Kansas City can go in there and add on to their winning streak. The Chiefs may not get to Derek Carr a whole lot because of injuries and Oakland's superior offensive line. However, I still think that you've got to keep both Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware active. And look, when you can get two running backs to go out there and do damage, and both of them have done damage this year, both of them have had 100-yard rushing games, uh, obviously the second and third players to do it this year for the Chiefs, that's huge. And I think the Chiefs really need to utilize that and come through big with the rushing attack. Use that rushing attack because Oakland's not very good defensively, especially against the run. 18th against the run, as I said earlier. Use that because I think Alex Smith might have a similar game where he doesn't throw a whole lot. And maybe he doesn't, I'll be proven wrong. But I think Kansas City's running game will be the key to victory this week to help extend the winning streak to six. And again, when the running game gets going, that will open up the passing game. And Oakland's defense won't see it coming. I do see the Chiefs winning this football game on the road. I've gone back and forth with this. In fact, I think the Chiefs, and I know they have not had many of these kinds of games, maybe just one or two since acquiring Alex Smith, but I think in this football game, this is a football game that'll end in a game-winning score for the Chiefs. I think Alex Smith will connect with Jeremy Macklin. That's my more... I'm getting a little detailed with the prediction, but I think we're going to see a game-winning touchdown from Alex Smith in this game. So I'm picking the Chiefs to win in this one. 24-21 in the black hole. Making those Raiders fans just angry. 
and they will board the plane, leave Oakland, and return to Kansas City with their sixth straight win and go two wins above 500 and hold on to a very solid lead in the wild card. If the Chiefs do win this, my confidence level will go up to 100% because you will have by then defeated the Texans, the Steelers, the Bills, all who are competing for a wild card spot and a couple of them tied right now with the Chiefs and then you will have defeated the Raiders once if that's the case I think in week 17 the Chiefs are going to be putting in a lot of backups because I don't think there's going to be a significant chance for the Chiefs to win the division so the number 5 seed will be clearly locked up for Kansas City and I think Andy Reid will do something similar to that he did in 2013 where he'll have 22 backups start in week 17 and save his players for the postseason. Chiefs win this one 24-21. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'm your host, Farzim Vusugan. Thank you, as always, for downloading and listening to the podcast. Be sure you subscribe on iTunes and tell a friend about the Chiefs on Podcast. Look me up on social media, like my Facebook page, Farzim Vusugian, and also Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. I'll talk to you guys this weekend during the game and talk to you on this podcast next week, hopefully recapping a sixth straight win for the Chiefs. Take care.